0: Real quick, I I I oh, I think he's uh, aging out too, so we don't have too many more opportunities to now make this a thing. But I love the notion of just calling Dante Master Giuseppe, Giuseppe, uh, um, as if he's a character out of Pinocchio. <laughs> Hello and welcome to at the fifty-five, your home for OUA football. Round one is in the books, and what a round one it was! Uh, I am here, joined as always on the review recap episode by the one and only Nate Hobbs. Nate, you were in attendance for Toronto Queens, the Nate Hobbs Invitational. Uh, we're going to be talking about that game last, as far as our breakdowns. You are probably the uh, most attended UFT fan uh, this 2022 season. Was it a bittersweet moment? Looked like a decent crowd. How many autographs did you ask to sign? Um, That being from like, you're at the 55 affiliation, not necessarily your Queens affiliation. What was the, what was the experience like my guy? Uh It seemed like every single
1: person I met was asking me which team I was rooting for. <laughs> so just to give you an idea, I mean, it, it was literally like every other person asking me that question. So, uh, you know, but having you know five years at Queens, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, go against those guys. But it's it's nice to see you know um, those players from Toronto succeed. Um, you know during the game And when they make big plays and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to to keep that that little happiness to yourself. You know what I mean? Maybe there might have been a couple awkward moments, but in the end, like you know, I'm a I'm a I bleed tri colors. Zach, let's just say that. But uh, you know, it was still for the most part a close game and. You know, it's the best stadium in all of youth sports, man. You can't go wrong. It's a beautiful, beautiful Saturday afternoon at Richardson.
0: Yeah, I can't remember who I heard, uh, you know, yelling that in my ear all last season that Richardson was the <laughs> best uh, stadium in uh, all of U sports. Uh, my man is, of course, saying all this while wearing his UFT blue sweater. Um, <laughs> I guess that's the nice thing, bleeding tricolors, that it does include the blues, although perhaps not the exact shade. I don't know if you have a, a proper breakdown of the the hues and the different uh, the different colors that separate the, the blue of the tricolor and the UFT blues. But we'll save that for maybe some uh, off season arts and crafts. Uh, related content that uh you know that that'll be popping off um Nate and you know before we get into our players of the week and then get into our games if I told you going into this week we'd have four of the six teams going above 40 points what would you have said to me like what like did that seem like a reality we were gonna get this weekend because this was uh some pretty uh, some pretty electric scoring no, oh, I think, you know, you have a couple teams
1: hitting their stride and, and Laurier in particular just being totally dominant and, and their offense is really finding a groove in terms of, you know, being balanced but also being able to convert shot plays. I mean, Carlton really had no answers for them. Greens, you know, pulling away late. That, that was a close game throughout. But ending up with 40, I think, uh, you know, it was really due to a late push. But, I mean, what stood out to me uh, obviously has to be the Windsor-Ottawa game. You know, if you'd asked me beforehand, I, I – I think I might've been all over the under, you know, these were two teams that were going to run the ball, going to chew up clock good defensively on both sides of the ball. You know, we've talked about Ottawa at length throughout the year, Windsor as stingy as they come and uh, somehow, some way ending them with 40 points apiece. And it's very fitting that actually uh, the defense played a large part in kind of getting to that total uh, scoring themselves. In fact, so uh, really like an electric weekend of football. I mean, Gloria Carlton game a bit slow, but I could tell you being at that Queens game for the larger part of three quarters, uh, you know, it was a really tight game and, and there's uh, some sweaty palms in the stands. I could tell you that much. Um, and obviously, you know, possible game, game of the year uh, in Ottawa. So really, I mean, all in all, just 10 out of 10 weekend of football, I think.
0: Yeah, and oh man, I mean, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll get to all these games. No, so we won't step all over them. Um, but you mentioning, of course, some of the uh, well, the defensive performances in that Ottawa game, some of course, parlaying into some points as well. I think is an appropriate transition into our players of the week because I at least know where I'm already going. Well, I know I'm going with all my picks. As do you? Um, so let's get right after it, Nate. Offensive player of the week. Um, who who are you liking in this one?
1: Yeah, I'm sticking in Kingston, and this was a guy who had, uh, you know, the fans talking, let's say, and that's uh, Jared Kasari running back from the Gales. and someone who's who we've seen in kind of bit part um, in plenty of games throughout the year and have a few good carries um, in many games this year. But this was really, I think, a true breakout performance from him um, and, you know, solid running between the tackles. But when he got an open space um, – it was really, he broke the game wide open and, you know, was in large part, the reason why Queens was able to pull away in the end um, one play in particular ended up getting in an open field and cutting between two guys, which then crashed into each other. Um, just a really electric display and, you know, is really exciting performance from him. And, you know, he's going to have to
0: continue that going forward. If Queens wants to end up where they want to be. So I'm going, you know, Jake, sorry, great game. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a heck of a performance and, uh, you know, I feel like we've seen well, we've seen all of those backs kind of have their day in the sun, so to speak. But I feel like that much disparity. Of course, you had the seventy on the long as well. Um, but I feel like they've normally had a little closer splits. One of those guys, you know, Kaseri Longa Souls, perhaps getting the, the 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 bulk of of the work. But you know, pretty substantial to see him. You know, I'm not going to do the quick maths there. But Longa being the next highest. Carrier for Queens with forty-two compared to Kasari's one hundred and eighty. So pretty, uh, pretty impressive that he was clearly just having himself a game. I'm going to um, the 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 least interesting game that we had, um, though. Of course, I was I was plugged in the whole way due to the uh, the dulcet tones of our boy Tom Sterling on the color commentary, and that of course was uh, Laurier's beatdown on Carlton and a lot of strong performances. But you got to go to uh, the man serving it up in Taylor Algrizma 303 two touchdowns and you know I'm saving the completions attempts for last in that recipe because a, a pretty darn efficient 21 for 28 Ethan Jordan had 93 Rain Thorne had 93 also perhaps having the touchdown of the year in the little pirouette single foot toe tap in the corner of the end zone Peterman 47 Alpine 43 And then you know Getting the, the work In the backfield Going in the run game With Scott And with Nelms And you know Elgersma Clearly fueled By uh, the loss Of his Oak Ridge Oaks In the uh, Thames Valley Uh, quarterfinal action to the South Lions Friday night Um, and thankfully though I couldn't get him the South Lions shirt so he could carry out his end of the bet for this game uh, he's going to be coming home to London next weekend to take on the Mustang so I'm sure I'll cross paths with him at some point but well done El Grisma. we obviously have seen him have some pretty stellar performances this year but I think especially coming off that Queens game to end the season where kind of across the board they got shut down um, you know Obviously a lesser opponent than Queens in Carlton, but um just from the jump, it didn't feel like it, it didn't feel like a playoff game at all for them. It felt like they were just out there a little pitch and catch, handed off a little bit, and just doing whatever they wanted to. Um moving over to defense. Uh Nate, who are you liking? Uh
1: I'm gonna shout out a couple guys before I name my pick because I think there are a couple huge pick sixes in these games. Uh both ended up being in losing efforts, unfortunately, but Um, you know, you have to go with Liam Hoskins from Windsor, just, you know, the 34 yard pick six that really threw this game into kind of disarray and had people looking at the score sheet, like, Whoa, hold on a minute. Is is Ottawa going to go down here? Uh, you know, is Windsor going to be able to pull off the upset in the end? You know, we'll mention who kind of played a large role in turning it around for the GGs in a minute, but I think he deserves some love for that. And same deal. You know, I'm going over to Toronto. Um, with Owen Cassie and his pick six um, against the Gales, really in large part what kept them in the game for a long time. The UFT of offense struggling, only coming up with a couple of field goals in the game, but that's such a huge play and really kind of kept, kept them alive, you know, for the better part of the game and, you know, was really good. But I think it's best for us. I think our two players are going to go with Ottawa. I'm going to go with the most, let's say, clutch performer, Um, in someone who kept their season alive. um, And Emmanuel, Abogier again, um, you know, with the 60 yard scoop and score um, to take back the lead late in the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, as far as, as far as clutch plays go um, and being able to rely on your defense to come through for you um, maybe definitely not how you kind of saw that one ending or saw Ottawa taking the lead in that one, but um, really, I mean, a clutch play to keep their season alive. Um, And I'm going to pass it back to you to go with who I think overall definitely had the most impressive individual day um, on the weekend.
0: Yeah. And and I'm just I'm smiling ear to ear because, you know, obviously, Abogie again with with the fumble recovery and scoop and score for 60 yards, just hearing you say it, I'm just like. Man, that's actually how Ottawa won this game with like six... I mean, we'll get into it briefly, but it's honestly, it's wild. That was a crazy game. But of course, as he said, he saved their season, but the best defender for Ottawa in a game that was one of their, save for what Western did to them, one of their weaker defensive performances, is the guy who's arguably the best defender in the whole province and James Peter... I, I don't have every one of the plays in front of me, but just a, he has a highlight film of plays from this game of alone. Uh, just the raw speed and just instincts to be able to, and, and and just like linebacker smarts to know where to be at the right time, in the right place. And holy cow, did he lay some big licks. And a lot of the time it's Joey Zorn he's taking down. It's That's normally a 2-3 defender effort to do so. You know, I threw out Daniel Valente Jr.'s name to kind of spice up the the DPOI conversation. I still don't think it's out of the cards because that defensive Western is so stellar. You could add the piece on while well, it's his last year, all that, and this, that, and the third. But man, oh man, uh, yeah, James Peter just continues to impress week after week. And, uh, you know... Uh, obviously Emmanuel with with the splash play, but James being there from whistle to whistle and not just, you know, Emmanuel himself, um, you know, six tackles as well. I suppose I should read off Peter having nine and a half tackles, four and a half tackles for loss and a sack. Uh, so, you know, I'll say no more on that. If, if you didn't catch it, go watch, go watch the replay of this one. It's stupid. stupid. Um, let's finish off with specials. Uh, Nate, where are you going? Yeah, I'm going with a bit of a niche uh, selection here.
1: And I'm going with Dante Mastro Giuseppe from U- the U of T punter. And, you know, sure, whatever, had a good day punting the ball, pin two inside the 20. But I'm thinking about one play in particular, and that is on a third and 30 for the Blues, where uh, somehow, someway, after a bad snap, he ended up converting the 30 yards to get the first down for Toronto. And, you know, it was a situation where it was a bad snap. Everyone kind of turned and ran. And, you know, he was able to get a good way without anyone noticing. But then with about 10 yards left, uh, the Queens def- the Queen's special teams unit was all over him. And, you know, there was a cutback. There was a slip off tackle. And somehow, someway, he managed to literally get the first down by one inch. And, uh, you know, I think even being in the stands, a lot of the Queens fans were like, wow, <laughs> you know what? You, you can't do anything but kind of, uh, you know, give him a little round of applause for that one. Because that was, I mean, a really electric play. And I think everyone appreciated uh, how fun that was. So I'm going with Dante for the play of the week just for that that single play.
0: Yeah, hey, um, Dante is – I mean, we got to see him uh, – D- Dakota and I, when we went to the Western Regional Combine last year, you know, see him test out. I mean, he's, he's a good athlete. He's a big dude. I mean, uh, and he kicks the hell out of the ball as well. Definitely uh, hope to see uh, him make an appearance in a CFL locker room um, in a few months' time, hopefully. Uh, I'm sticking with that game for my specials player. Going to the other side, to your tricolors, and shouting out Tyler Mullen, 4 for 4 on the field goals – Four for four on his extra points, totaling up 16 points on the day. Um, You know, single handedly, I guess, (laughs) outscoring UFT and Carlton. but, you know, just really solid performance. And, of course, as the weather gets, uh, you know, I mean, it was a beautiful day. But, you know, projecting into the the weeks to come towards, uh, you know, early to mid-November, uh, having a solid kicking game. Um, and they commented this on in the about this in the Laurier game, about Dawson Hodge as well, kind of trying to get him back on track. Um, you know, obviously, you want to be firing on all cylinders and the special teams unit as we get into a bit of the... Um, messier weather as we expect to have is massive so uh Tyler Mullen a guy who shout out a few times um having himself a great day but you know we, we've talked around all these games in some capacity in our conversations about these players let's finally dive in to the action and oh we're starting with the the the, the showdown in the nation's capital. Final score in this game, the Ottawa GGs 43, the Windsor Lancers 40. Where do I want to start? Where do I want to start? I'll start with this. Nate, I already kind of threw the the, the 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 proverbial hypothetical of like, what would you say if I told you four out of the six teams were going to score over 40 points? What would you have said if I told you that Danny Skelton was going to pretty significantly outplay Ben Miracle in in Ottawa for a one o'clock start in this quarterfinal matchup? How does that hypothetical ghost of review podcasts past uh, resonate with you to think about that as a possibility coming into this game? That's not a shot. Danny Skelton, he's had a really good season. But what from what we've seen with this Ottawa defense, specifically their secondary, and from what we've seen from this Ottawa skill position and their running game, and, and JP had a really strong game, but to be able to open... In, in being able to open up things for Miracle, make his life a little easier. That, I'll, I'll start off by saying that certainly was not what I was expecting going to this one. Skelton outdueling Miracle, I'd say pretty, pretty hands down. W- w- what's your thought on that being like, if that was, I if I was telling you that going, a week ago.
1: In this hypothetical scenario, I would hypothetically call you a liar. And you know, that's not a shot at a, like you mentioned already, it's not a shot at Danny Skelton, but you just look at, you know, what happened? You look at the, the the data points and you know what? Windsor hasn't really been able to throw the ball all year, you know, they're going up against a great defense, you know, arguably the best secondary unit um, in the conference. And you know what? He really held his own. And I think that was a big difference for them um, going into this game and kind of, you know, it definitely is very shocking. And I think, you know, Windsor did a great job of generating pressure and making things very uncomfortable. Um, for that Ottawa offense. And, you know, I think another thing too to mention is it's crazy to think they, both these teams got over 40 points and you'd be thinking, you know, four or 500 yards of offense each maybe, but no, only in the 300s. So, again, going back to that kind of defensive scoring piece, um, you know, in the turnovers and the big plays, like, yeah, in the end, I guess it kind of adds out. But, um, no, I think definitely a, a shocking result in terms of, how this Windsor offense was able to operate because I mean, not really very dominant running the football and not that I was expecting them to be dominant against Ottawa, but I definitely would expect them to be leaning on that more um, than Danny Skelton. And hopefully this is, you know, sort of a, a coming into form performance for him that he can build on kind of going in the future, because, you know, this was very close to being a huge moment for the Windsor program. I still think it is a very significant point in their in their progression as a program and everything like that but um, you know you it's it's hard to feel bad I think about Windsor at this point in time but definitely shocking
0: all around and and you mentioned the lack of offensive production kind of across the board despite the scores and and yes that speaks to the defenses it speaks to the specials and and also just immense and you you mentioned this too, just immense amount of sloppy play, particularly on Ottawa's side. Uh, you know, Ottawa once again they had as they had proven all year, and just looking on paper, is the better team and was going into this. As far as what happened on this day, the better team in this in that two and a half three hour span did not win, and a lot of that was was. Ottawa shooting themselves in the foot. They fumbled the ball twice on their opening drive, recovered it both times, but that's not a great sign. Windsor in the late, late in the first half drives down the field. Ottawa's holding them to a field goal. Ottawa goes offside. Windsor parlays that into a touchdown and you know, it can seem innocuous, but in the first or second quarter, after one of Ottawa's touchdowns, Windsor blocks their field goal, which, you know, it's easy to kind of at that time in the game, be like, it's a single. Maybe we'll get a rouge back. Uh, this is a game that that one point could have meant the world. And it probably did factor into some of the decisions that happened late in the fourth quarter, as far as, Oh, what, you know, some of the safeties Windsor was opting, opting for when teams were deciding to punt the ball away And they weren't when they were going for it and things like that. I, and the thing that I still can't get out of my brain and, and I'll probably, I, I was, I was debating whether to bring this up in the conversation of this game or in the Carlton Laurier game um because you know as, as you mentioned I mean laurie Carlton just kind of in, in two different spheres of ability and, and, and just across the board right now you, you, I, let's look at let's look at Carlton super quick. We talked about this already you know they beat Mac didn't make the playoffs beat Guelph didn't make the playoffs beat Waterloo didn't make the playoffs um who beat uh, Guelph didn't make the playoffs. So they had the one good win at home against Windsor. And that game still blows my mind because Ottawa had no issues taking care of Carlton on Panda. Once again, Carlton's not on the level of Ottawa. And I guess we've seen from this, They, sh- but what I don't get from this is, frankly, from what we've seen now looking at the totality of the year, they shouldn't be on the same level as Windsor either. Yet somehow, going back to mid-season, Windsor traveling across the province for a 1 o'clock game against Carlton, they couldn't get anything going and against Ottawa, they almost pull up the upset of the year. I just, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of all this. I mean, it's really, as, as someone who's you know from probably week two on, been extremely bullish on these Ottawa Gigi's. That West, Western game was disappointing, especially once um, um, Hillock goes down, and, and and knowing that Zach Fry was out on the O line, and Grohovic gets a little banged up in that one and that they still, you know, it's one thing if they had lost, but lost it tight, eh, didn't happen. Western just ran over you. That was a little disappointing. And then for this game, I don't know, Nate. Uh, help, help me understand. I don't know.
1: No, and I think the crazy thing, is, I mean, like, as someone, you know, not to bring Queens into the conversation, but sitting in that game and seeing the offense struggle a bit in the beginning of the of the game, and, you know, Rican throws that pick six, and I'm like, damn, you know, like, for sure, against U of T, what's going to happen against that Ottawa defense? And the past two weeks, we've kind of seen, you know, it's been a bit of a mess. It's been a bit of a mess for them. And you know, Western's Western. We all kind of, you know, expected them to get to their thirty points or so. You know, it seems as though they always do. But I, I think this result is, is a little bit shocking. And it's funny comparing like to that Carlton game because I was just thinking, you know, Carlton got up early. Just chalk it up to, you know being in a negative game script, and they can't throw the ball. Well, this was the same scenario. Ottawa took an early lead, but in this scenario, uh, Windsor was able to come back, and I think, you know, we've seen a lot of teams kind of get better as the season goes on, and I think um, Windsor was a team that climbed a lot, got better every week. Um, You know, Queens is like that. Laurier barring kind of, you know, the game against Queens last week, I think is in the conversation as well. But, man, Ottawa's in kind of a really weird spot now going into a semifinal where, you know, you hope to be climbing, you're hoping to be peaking at this moment, and, you know, maybe we're at the point where we look at the season and it's, well, you know what? They just peaked a bit too early. Maybe it was, you know, after the the Laurier game and the Panda, this team was flying high, and after that, you know, losing Miracle for a week and having the lull at York, they just kind of lost, uh, got a bit rusty maybe. Um I think it'll be really interesting to see how they respond going into Queens next week and, you know, what score is going to end up in that game. But um, Ottawa in a, in a dicey spot, you know, I, you know, wouldn't feel great about picking them after, you know, a result like this, but football is also a huge game of momentum. And after having the stealing something like this, I can't imagine what that would do for your confidence going, at, going into the next week and knowing that, you know, We went down, you know, and we ended up scoring how many unanswered points to kind of come back and, like, win this game. I think, you know, you could also kind of flip it that way and say, you know what, they kind of were able to handle the adversity and, you know, what probably will be a close game next week. Hopefully, Queens won't be able to kind of pull away late like they have against Laurier and U of T. That's
0: that's a valid take, and obviously Queens didn't, Aside from a few bumps in the first half, we'll get to that game shortly, have to face all that much adversity in their game. And realistically, well, no, they had the Mac game a few weeks ago, so they have had to deal with some adversity since that Western game. You know, the thing uh, the thing that gets me a little bit with this, too, is like, I'm just kind of going over the scoring summary and 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 when the the, the fumble recovery touchdown happens so it's 34 31 for Windsor and at that time Windsor is in Ottawa's zone so you think okay well even if that doesn't happen let's say Windsor gets a field goal so they're up 37 to 31 well then it's still you know less than a touchdown away. It was a touchdown from Ty an extra point from Ottawa taking the lead the way Windsor was playing they were looking to score six Uh, in Ottawa's zone at that point. And about the sort of sloppiness of Ottawa, the two fumbles early, a mystifying fumble, or it wasn't even a fumble. I don't remember who they had returning. It just didn't get the ball in his hands on a kickoff return. And Windsor just came down like a bat out of hell and took it away from him. But then the penalties, and I loved what we've seen of Kevin Victome this year. Um, You know, He's proven to be a really great cover guy. He's really shown to step up in his uh, making plays uh, in the box, making tackles, not letting any receivers get extra yards on him. A couple bad penalties for him, including on that drive before the fumble recovery touchdown. And just, oh man. I mean, yeah, it was a huge momentum swing. And the only thing I can imagine, well, most of what I say is hyperbole, but the only thing I can imagine worse than losing in that fashion is in the 10-hour drive, having to go back to Windsor afterwards, or maybe they stayed the night, went to party in Montreal, celebrate the end of their season. Who knows what they got up to, up to. But Windsor Lancers, gosh darn it, we salute you. Holy cow. That was awesome. I cannot wait to see you all in 2023. Nate, any last words on this game, or as we sort of say goodbye to the Windsor Lancers for the 2022 season? I just hope we have more games like this, man. That's all. Absolutely. Well, let's get to uh, the other two games that were in no way like this game, and we'll start with the game that was in the least like this game in the Laurier victory at home against Carlton. Final score in this game, the Golden Hawks 41, the Carlton Ravens 13. Should be noted. If you didn't watch, just for the sake of understanding the score a little better those 13 points were scored all in garbage time this was a 28 to nothing game at the half this game was arguably over before it begun and, and Nate I, I'm gonna give you some um I don't know if cred's the right word but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you off the hook a little bit um Nate Hobbs just to kind of pull the curtain back went with the parody pick. Um, you, you know, I these you were first on this Laurier Golden Hawk team before the rest of us jabronis, you, you, Me and Tom had declared our picks before you get you know get earlier on the text line, and then you can feel more confident <laughs> taking the the home pick. Well, this, I suppose this is this is, this is my thing. Is is as funny as like in general? Like I wanted to have a dog on the card, and
1: you know what? Based on that, the second half of the Queens Toronto game earlier in the season, you know, I th- I think that one was a bit tough to see, um, you know, Windsor and kind of knowing their historic performance throwing the ball. Um, I didn't feel comfortable there. And, you know, really I, the only case for the, for this Carlton game was sort of uh, a Laurier team that has turned the ball over a bit during the year and an, a Carlton team that, you know, in some games has managed the game effectively in terms of, field position and kicking the the ball and things like that. So I mean that was really um the case for it. But no doubt it was a shot in the dark. And uh, you know, I was I was picking the dog regardless. I just ended up picking literally the least lively one and uh, <laughs> you know, hand up on that
0: one, man. No, but, but you know that, that's totally fair because like I said this to, to Tom where I didn't think UFT had a chance. Like that that just I wasn't that didn't cross my mind for an upset there. Man, oh man, I I, I, I could have seen, I, I envisioned the possibility of a close game in the Windsor-Ottawa game, but I just didn't see how Ottawa could pull it out. And so I, I agree. I thought that Carlton brings a certain je ne sais quoi, a little... Uh, you know, randomness, a little chaos, if you will, you know, a, a, a little. We, uh, we
1: were also enamored by the mystery that uh, you know, <laughs> it,
0: it, yeah, a little, you know, a little Game of Thronesian Littlefinger esque, like chaos is a ladder to success. Maybe they would just ride that randomness to a victory. You know, they can kind of hurt you in all facets of the game. They just aren't really consistent in any of those facets. Um, and, and like I, you know, the commentary on this one is 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 pretty is pretty dry. I mean. Th- Laurier rushed it. They passed it. What? I think, I think yeah. like,
1: like, like going through this game early. And I feel like you knew from the jump that like Laurier was was going to come in and, and do very well. And that's, you know, they the, is the first their first drive of the game. They ran a silly little screen. That's a little screen pass and the receiver drops. In and it's like, oh, second and ten the first drive, you know, big spot for a two and out. And on second down, Carlton brings the heat. And Algorzma just torches them for it down the seam. And you know what? To make a big throw like that on the first drive, you know, that's your first throw of the game is a laser beam down the seam under pressure. It's like, you know, this team was well-prepared for whatever Carlton had to offer. And, you know, to have like that level of calm and moxie at that point early in the game, from there, it's just like, yeah, yeah. I I understand how this ended up where it did um, because the offense was just so efficient and so prepared. Um, that really, you know, Carlton had no answers. And I think too, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not criticizing from a coaching perspective, but I think for me, if 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 Carlton was going to win this one, it almost had to be kind of the the ten or de young legacy game to some extent. You know what I mean? They need to get a in a positive game script. Um, and you know, they came out and ran the ball twice on the first drive in a two and out. They ran the ball for one yard and then on second and nine, they decided to run the ball again. You know, after Laurier had just driven the length of the field, granted missed the field goal, but like, you know, you're on the road in a playoff game to go to and out early in kind of that fashion, I think was like those first two drives, I mean, really kind of summed everything up uh, for the game. And really, you know, despite being two, five and three teams, um, I think it was pretty clear um, that Laurier was was absolutely a class above.
0: You know, and your point about the running, uh, the, the effort to get the run game going early it, it is spot on and it definitely was mystifying. And, you know, Tom and I kind of made a comparison going to this game with the Battle of Waterloo game in how, you know, you mentioned Elger's muck kind of dotting a few of his guys in the spot of pressure. And obviously the thing with Carlton all year is that, that 30 front that teams have had so much success running on and they did at times try and move into a 40 front and that maybe their other option if the 40 front wasn't going to work. So we pretty confident that they weren't gonna stop Laurie's attack in that 34 was maybe they bring pressure. And I just kept having these images from Battle of Waterloo of Elgersma. I remember breaking that game down with you of, you know, him taking a hit and all of a sudden it's 70 yards down the sideline to Ethan Jordan. You know, it's you,
1: you have two two of the best deep ball threats in the league in in Ethan Jordan and Raiden Thorne. Um, you know, you put those guys in a one-on-one situation and just the speed that's on display, I mean you're 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 asking for trouble. And let's just say I not to get too far ahead of ourselves but i don't think western will be you know too eager to give up those same opportunities uh to Loria. they might be a little happier sitting back in their cover three and trying to force Loria to be a bit more perfect in terms of their drives rather than you know having them complete these chunk plays uh which they're so good at right
0: well and that's where like i know you've talked all year about and, and you know i have a fair amount of fair amount of familiarity with their offense as well having played under Todd Galloway but I know you've talked so much about how they love their inside zone and sewn slice action being able to hit guys into the flats to be able to then set up some of those deep bombs and everything like that and not to get ahead of the the preview for that Western game but like that's gonna have to be a chess match of a game because I think you're right I don't think Western's gonna let them get those deep bombs and Laurie I think has to stay just super committed to that sort of Hey, getting into a ball carrier's hand, uh whether it's a receiver, you know, at, at like five, six yards, sort of cross the middle and trying to make some plays happen. A little bit of that screen action game, and really not going away from the run game, which you know Western kind of sitting in their base, base just front was able to shut down Ottawa's running attack pretty formidably. So, I mean, I don't. No, it's yeah. gonna, it's gonna,
1: it's gonna be a big Taylor Elgizma game, and you know, it's gonna have to be another twenty-one to twenty-eight deal. You know, I would argue it might have to be more of like a 28 for 34 deal, you know, because uh, there'll probably be, need to be more attempts there because, you know, frankly, I just don't think they're going to be able to run like they did against Carlton for one thing. You I know, mean, it's going to be very efficient in the passing game, but you're still going to have to be able to manufacture shots. And, you know, when I when I was at Queens or whatever um, in our last year is a lot about trying to manipulate formations and get a matchup you like a la, you know, a Chris Osikousi on, on a field corner one-on-one, which is something that you know obviously you wouldn't want if you're if you're Western. Um, so I mean things like that are in the cards, I think, for Laurier. You're just you're gonna have to be a lot more strategic in coming to your shots because that is such a big part of your offense, you know, like if you you're not chunks, the old adage is chunks equals points. Um and especially a team like Western, you know, that'll be huge. Um, and, you know, settling for field goals and things like that won't be really an option for you either. So um, given the history of, of Laurier going into that, you know, TD Stadium over the past uh, several years and kind of, you know, a bit of the magic that's there. Uh, I'm sure Coach Falls might might mention that in the pregame speech or something like that, because, you know, it, ha- it has been done. It has been done. And uh, I'm definitely really looking forward to that one next week because um, and just as a finishing point, you know, that Laurier Western game earlier in the year, you know, wasn't terribly close. You know, it was a bit like um, you know, Laurier hung around, but really was never really that close. But I think we've just seen them improve so much. You know, that was the first game of the year going into that that week and and sort of where that offense is today versus where it was in week one, I think, you know, it's it's Leaps and bounds ahead of where they were. So when I'm fast, not to step on you guys later in the week, but uh, I'm sure you'll you'll go into much further detail. But you know, really excited for that
0: one. No, and and I'm glad you brought that up because I think that was one of one of the more that game and ironically U of T's loss to Laurier, um, some of the more impressive, and maybe throw in Windsor losing auto week one games where team loses, but you're like you know what? You showed me something there. You showed me all you, you know, you threw out the word moxie already. I'll throw it out there again. Like, (laughs) uh, Hey, you know what? Not all L's are created equally. Um, I'm not going to use that as an opportunity to take a shot at any other teams. Um, I feel like at some point in the off season, we'll do probably a deep dive or spend more time on some of these teams. Um, as far as sort of a uh, a post mortem, if you will, to kind of look at where they stand, I, I believe we've now seen the the end of the Tanner DeYoung era in Carlton. I, I, I don't have his eligibility situation in front of me. It certainly feels like that would be the case for him. Um, Josh Ferguson's now getting up there though I mean that's been one of the I've probably said it too many times on the pod been one of the more disappointing things for me all year and just their inability to to really use him effectively as we know that he has the capability to do um, you know the Ferdinand era is, is, is young and fertile you know obviously those guys are only in their second maybe third year and they play a huge part in really all facets but and, of course, just to, you know, the Coy Grant era. It's in its first year, um, which is obviously worth noting. The Change of regime and sort of how his philosophy will sort of take root and shape over the years to come. A- any thoughts, big picture, with where Carlton's at? Or should we mostly save? I mean, we'll, we'll do sort of a post-mortem. But just from, like, putting a wrap on this game this season, just here and now, a- any big picture thoughts with them?
1: I mean, it's a brief point. But, I, I mean, just looking at kind of – as you mentioned, some older guys aging out, and and you know, we, we I've, I think I feel like we mentioned this last year too, and sort of how they've aged out stars. You know, Hoyt Kassar and those guys; those those were pros. Kenny Onyeka; those were pros, and you know, there weren't really studs lining up to replace them. Um, and and this is a scenario where you know you have Corey Grant in here. You know, you still aren't his guys. You know, he's not going to have, you know, a real team of, of his guys for, for a couple more years in terms of recruiting and things like that. So, um, you know, wherever they they end up next year, I think they still had a good group of seniors here. But I think it'll be interesting to see where they go and sort of, you know, how they're capable of de- developing kids in the offseason. Because I think, you know, the reality is that's going to be where their success lies if they find any is, is being able to develop some guys to, you replace some of the familiar names that we might not see going forward.
0: Well, we'll have to see what the offseason holds for the Ravens uh, as far as the recruiting game, who is, uh, you know, old faces leaving the program and, and what that holds uh, for the future. So uh, best of luck in the offseason, Carlton Ravens uh, to the Laurie Goldenhawks. Um, we will be seeing you next week in London and I will likely be watching that game in person which I'm super stoked for which takes us to the final game of the weekend the game that you were in person for that's what they call a transition a segue if you will Queen's golden Gales prev- prev- eh, prevailing the words were working so well for a second there prevailing at home against ufT final score Queens 41 ufT 13 Nate I'm gonna start you with this question this prompt. Did Kinsale Phillip out before Alex outperform Alex Vreakin?
1: Hmm. That's really difficult to say because, like, I think in general the I, I can't I can't say that I can't
0: say I'm gonna say no. <laughs> it's just you and me. It's just you and me here. Nate, there's no one. Oh, that, sorry. I mean, Was that a confirmed no? That's a confirmed no. He did not uh, say the word. So, so Nate Nate Hobbs is saying sorry. It's, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on.
1: For, because no, I think first you have one, to you you have to take the rushing into account. You know, and I think maybe that was something that I wish, you know, could say would have taken off a few more times. Now, I know it wasn't easy and there wasn't always an easy escape lane for him. Um, But I think the reality of the situation was if if U of T wanted to win the game, they were going to need another heroic performance from him. Um, And, you know, when he took off, Queens, you know, struggled a bit. Um, But in terms of traditional offense and things like that, you know, I, I felt like Queens had had things pretty handled for the most part, you know, and that's why it's 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 a bit hard to say, you know, that one performed out of the other when really I don't think either of them really, you know, stood out too much in the frame of this game. Um, I think it was, it was a game about defense it was a game about running the football um, for Queens and it was a, a Toronto offense that that really struggled um, to sort of get the ball rolling in a lot of scenarios and especially, you know, getting down in scoring position. Um, but I think, yeah, it's it's hard to say, but uh, it's you know I don't think so. I think it's close, but I'll I'll give the edge to Vreken, I guess.
0: Okay, so just just to confirm things, Nate Hobbs has said Vreakin did outperform Kinsale Philip, and just to go back a bit, the York Lions did shut down Jared Kasari, <laughs> which is something that you have, the UFT Blues could not do in this one. What was the vibe in the stadium? <laughs> I'm not even gonna let you respond to that. What was the vibe in the stadium though? First play on offense for. U of T, they kind of go in this uh, I don't know if it was a double tight look but definitely putting a lot of a lot of beef in the box and they certainly went back to that a few few times and Williams broke for like I don't know I don't know the exact yardage but like what was there any feeling of like like because as you said like we did see that game week one. And Tom and I mentioned it as well, where UFT clearly saw some success. And I think when you and me talked about it, I was like, hey, you know what? You brought up the Joe DeMore piece being in his first year with UFT, that defense. You know, it's, it's fair. They need a little bit of time to be able to process what they're seeing and, and respond. Did there feel like there was any, like, we've literally been here before and we've seen, if only for a half, but nonetheless, a half of football, UFT play pretty stellar offense? Or did it seem, did, did that not really. Make its way on the radar. Not not,
1: not this time for me. Um, you know, I thought, you know, Toronto. Yeah, they, they had the big run early, and I think you know, entering the stadium is like, whoa, oh, what's going on here? But um, you know, to be honest, in the first the first quarter, um, it really felt like Queens was going to run away with it. You know, got out to that ten nothing lead. Again, the UFT of offense. You know, barring a, a couple different, you know, I, I'm not going to call them chunk plays, but a couple first downs, let's say. Um, move the ball a little bit, but Queens just looked, you know, in control until that pick six. And to me, like, that's a big storyline coming from this. Um, it's sort of the question we've had in terms of the quarterback situation there and who we're going to see going forward um, the rest of the year. But um, this is just, this, this, uh, you know, pick six like that, that's going to happen. As talented as we know Alex Regan is and where we think he's going to end up in his career, it's his first year starting. And it's his first time in the in these big pressure situations in a playoff game. Um, he's already has more playoff wins uh, than me. So shout out to him for that. Congratulations, Alex. Um, but, you know, it's going to be something to watch going forward. And like without knowing the score from the Ottawa game, I was like, "Ooh, this is, might be something to watch going forward because there are going to be big spots where they're going to need him to make big plays. Um, you know, maybe they aren't going to need him to throw for 300 yards, but there are going to be big first downs that are going to be needed to be converted in order for them to get where they want to go. Um, and the pick six like that that can end your season. You know what I mean? In a different ball game. So, just something to keep an eye on going forward. And I think, in general, that was what kept UFT around. And I think you look at this box score and it's like, yeah, okay, it was a bit close for a while. But I think this game is summed up by, you know, really a stretch in the third quarter. And it was where it was still a, I think it was a 13-7 ball game for Queens. And it was, I think it was after the the big run by Giuseppe first down to convert. And UFT was deep in Queens position. They're on the Queens 10-yard line. And it was a situation where you score, you get the extra point, you take the lead. And it was, you know, the crowd was already in a bit of a nervy, you know, situation. And, you know, it was a bit quieter than... Maybe we're used to after that play and during that drive. But again, I feel like we said it time and time again over the course of the years, this Queens defense steps up and holds, holds into the field goal. And next thing you know is when Kasari breaks that long run. And you know what? When it was time for UFT to kind of throw their biggest punch, Queens was able to parry and, and throw back the uppercut and, and knock them out altogether. And that was really like the closest the game was. And from that point, it was literally all Queens. There's there's a complete you know gap in terms of the game after that point um and you know i think it's something we've seen from queens all year i mean the sort of ability to in that late third quarter fourth quarter the ability to pull away and i think a lot of it has to do with their depth it has to do with their physicality on defense and you know going into a game against any opponent you know that if the game's tight going in the third quarter that they do have that explosive potential to just break the game wide open it could be over like that
0: yeah, and, and we've been saying that about them in Western all year long, right? You know, you can hang with them for a bit, but as you said, they're so physical and so brutal in, in, in how they run the ball and the depth they can cycle in there that it's just, it's hard to keep up for four quarters. Real quick, I I, I, oh, and I think he's uh, aging out too, so we don't have too many more opportunities to now make this a thing, but I love the notion of just calling Dante Master Giuseppe, Giuseppe, uh, um, as if he's like a character <laughs> out of Pinocchio. <laughs> um, so I, I already kind of told you this 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 story or this part of my my uh my watching um afternoon where you know had the volume going for laurier because i had to listen to tom sterling um great job again tom on the call um obviously watching that ottawa wins a game with quite a bit of um with quite a bit of uh interest and knowing that you were at this game you'd have um a lot of opinion to bring on to it so i'm, I'm kind of like it's kind of my okay what's going on in these games okay quick glance over there and at one point, I'm watching and I see 25 for UFT breaking in the open field, looking for a touchdown. I'm watching with my dad. I'm like, "Wait, hold on what What is going on?" And and Queens had a bit of trouble getting the score banner across the 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 screen to to start the game off. I like to think they saw our tweet and put it up as a result of that. But you know, maybe they just had folks in IT get on it um, on their own accord. But we, we see what looked like a kickoff touchdown, and then we don't really see the score account for that. And I'm thinking. Oh, you know what? They were just showing the replay of Lucas Stoikos getting a kick return touchdown in week one. And then lo and behold, I went back to this game to sort of review it for our broadcast. He very well did, if not for a penalty. And that's where I want to just sort of last thought for U of T, which is that, and no one saw more UFT Blues games that wasn't wearing a jersey for them this year than you and you alone, Nate Hobbs. I mean, I'm sure there's some parents out there being like that is <laughs> false. Um, but I like to think you, of... as from a neutral po- point of view, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> neutral. Um, that didn't really seem, and maybe this is uh, a team like Queens, perhaps forcing UFT into positions that are unfavorable, and and to, then sort of drawing those penalties as a result. UFT had 17 penalties equaling 105 yards. You know, it seemed like Carlton was, was penalized quite a bit. Windsor was penalized quite a bit this year. I, I feel like maybe York um, was in the mix a bit too. I, I didn't feel like that was a theme for UFT. Was that like that? I mean, that's 17 penalties. That's massive. I mean, did that feel like a, a substantial thing as like, I guess how I articulated it as, them shooting themselves in the foot or queens putting them into unfavorable favorable positions, or, or was that really how, how much was that noticeable live in action?
1: No, no, yeah, definitely the, the the penalties were noticeable. Um, you know, I think it was a few, a couple holding calls early on. I think really stifled the offense and kind of, you know, trying to get the ball rolling for them early on. I think you know putting them in a second long; those are drive killers, right? You can't do that and we know the friend that Queens has in, in Silas Hubert and Wishart and those guys. That you know what, there probably are going to be a lot of situations where teams are going to be forced to hold them. Um, maybe the fr- the refs were, were a little more conser- uh not concerned. Maybe they were letting it loose a bit with the flags early on this one. I know kind of looking around, we were all thinking, you know, these, this seems like a lot of penalties in this game in general. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely killed Toronto. Um, especially you look at, <laughs> you know, I mentioned the the one play um, where they weren't able to score the touchdown, but how about a play like that? You know what I mean? Where that's such a huge play in the game to be able to get a return touchdown um, and have that called back. It really, again, a situation where Toronto looked to pick up some momentum and just like that, it was, it was completely wiped out. So, um, you know, overall, it was it was a tough go for Toronto. It definitely wasn't like a perfect game for them. Um, some missed opportunities, but in the end i feel like from the queen side as well like you're not terribly ecstatic about this game you're happy with the final score but i think especially on the offensive side of the ball um going through the first half you know the first th- let's say two and a half quarters of the game um there are a lot of a lot of corrections that they'll be going through um sunday morning so um you know we feel really good about queens coming off that laurier game and i think it's easy to look at this one and say oh queen's role you know what i mean i feel confident with them going to ottawa but um, less question marks in Ottawa, but still, you know, on that offensive side of the ball, some kinks to work out in, in terms of getting where they want to be in executing in the passing game.
0: Now sort of taking into account opponent, that, that idea of sort of question marks coming out of this quarterfinal round, because he said less question marks than Ottawa, the obvious choice for fewest, if no question marks, is Laurier, but it seems like Carlton had the least to offer of all these losing teams this weekend as far as giving the opposing team um, a real run for their money or giving the home team a real run for their money in that sort of uh, uh, hierarchy you built there as far as like questions we have. Is it just undeniably, we obviously only saw Laurier play who they played this weekend. It's hard to sort of bring in other factors or it would be sort of incorrect to do so. Is it them kind of being like, we clearly saw them play like as good a game offensively as they can. Defense was really solid. Specials doing its thing um, and getting Dawson Hodge going a little bit, which connected with the Tyler Mullen piece as we started with uh, what a great performance he had for Queens um, is huge as well. Is it just fair to say that as we sort of finish up our, our, our review here and our recap that it's sort of. Hey, Laurier looked the best. Queens looked pretty solid, but a few question marks in Ottawa. Hey, you, sn- you stole a victory at home against a team that had to travel 10 hours to play you at 1 o'clock. Does that seem like how the, the, the vibe coming out of this weekend?
1: In large part, but I think, you know, you look at the Laurier piece, I still have a lot of questions about them from the Queens game. You know what I mean? Mm. But regardless of what you want to think of the team, the only question that matters for me is can you play your best football game of the season on Saturday? Because whatever happened in the past, you know, th- the reality is, is is if you don't play your your best football of the season on Saturday, then your season's over. And there's also a good chance that even if you do that, your season also might be over. So, um, you know, Laurie's got to feel good, but at the end of the day, this isn't this isn't something to hang your hat on and this is like just just a stepping point and, you know, I hope they enjoyed the the win on Saturday night, but it's gonna be, you know, it's their biggest week of the season, their biggest test of the season. And uh yeah,
0: that's it. You have to play your best game. And that you know, that's the remarkable thing that in the universe that exists, in which Laurier pulls off the upset in London next Saturday, to be able to bounce back off of that high and then travel to either Queens or Ottawa for the Yates is such an immense feat to pull off that uh that that you know the universe in which Laurier is the 2022 gates cup champions is uh you know a kawaii on the raptors 2019-esque run to the finals uh but we can only take it one week at a time so we'll see what those games hold for us you know just we've talked so much about games that kind of left us going huh and teams that kind of left us going double huh and, and looking at the three teams that ended their season or whose seasons ended this week in Windsor Carlton Toronto and I'm gonna throw Mac into the fold too being the team that almost snuck in there as well save for that it lost to to ufT at the end of the year it'd be fun to get can we just get like a little jamboree like maybe on like Friday night that, at that like was, varsity with those four teams <laughs>
1: that was a question that that po- entered my mind is you know Zach if I had to Ask you, you know, if all three of the teams that lost played each other, you know, who who's coming out with the best record?
0: I need it. You know? Where are they playing though? That's the thing. Where are they playing? Because I feel like that has to factor in. And like I said, do- at least if the Windsor Lancers are involved. <laughs> oh my goodness, I I don't know, uh, golly, because I just still can't get that Windsor loss at Carlton out of my head. Nor can I get U of T getting beat down the way they did at Windsor out of my head. And then U beat the crap out of Carlton at home. I mean, what, what, what the heck, man? Like, I don't get it. Thankfully, we don't have to worry about these teams anymore until next year when they'll just give me more and more headaches. Um, but, you know, as the season progressed, we clearly saw a delineation of who the top teams were in the OUA. Some frisky teams on the fringe. All those frisky teams are now, you know, planning for their 2023 uh, attack on the OUA. We have Western, we have Queens, we have Ottawa and Laurier. Whether you want to say, and I think most people would say, Western's still a tier above those other three. These are clearly the best four teams the OUA has had to offer all year long. And it is now a race to the finish. Uh Nate, any last words um, before uh, we call this pod and end and get ready for, uh, whew, I, I think, a pretty wild, uh, a wild OUA semifinal weekend?
1: I don't want to step on the review pod, but one small question remains for me because mm. it was a chalky weekend in the end. And going into the next weekend, who has the higher upset potential? If I had to put a gun in your head right now, and I said, who has a better chance of upsetting? Is it Ottawa or Laurier? Who are you going with at this moment?
0: I will answer your question next time at the 55.